Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvot Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvotisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Avinu Shemaim, our Father in Heaven, thank you for your faithfulness and your presence this morning, O God, and just your goodness and your love. Uh, We want to lift you up. We want to make your name great in this place, Lord. And we pray that your word would go forth to encourage those who hear it, Lord, that you would build up and edify your community, O God, um, and that uh, you would be made known uh, um, by your faithfulness in this place. And in Yeshua's name we pray, amen. So this week's Parsha was actually my bar mitzvah portion. So uh, reading it, it really takes me back, you know, Uh, many happy memories of my family, and I got to go up and read from the Torah in Hebrew, just like we heard in front of all my friends, and uh, and then, of course, finally becoming a man, right, even though, uh, you know, my voice was changing, and I I was, uh, it was a little ambiguous at the time. And uh, this was uh, the same Parsha that I spoke on for the sermon during my off-roof. That is, the day before I got married to this lovely young woman in the, uh, in the front. Yeah, praise God. And, uh, so that, and since that time, I realized maybe I didn't fully become a man at 13. There were still some things I needed to learn along the way. But we're all learning, right? Amen. So, um, and the beautiful thing about Scripture is that um, you can read it, read something many times, right? You can go back to it, like I can go back to my Torah portion for my bar mitzvah, and you can get something new from it. Raise your hand if you have had this happen to you. It's something you're familiar with, and then God shows you something new. Amen. Because it's a good book, right? It's the good book. Um, And uh, this is because of the way that the biblical authors, of course, they were inspired by the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and say so they wrote in different connections and narratives for us to discover and apply to our lives. And uh, so this portion uh, today has a lot going on, but I've always focused on um, Moses striking the rock. He hits it twice instead of doing what? Speaking to it. The Lord tells him to speak to it, and he hits it instead. And I think I'm, I'm drawn to this because it elevates, uh, there's a truth in that, right? Uh, that we want to speak the truth in love rather than reacting harshly in, in anger and, you know, hitting the rock, okay? Um, but as I was reading this week's Parsha, as I said, I noticed something interesting I'd never noticed before. So I want us to look at the timing of the events in the beginning of, uh, of this narrative here. This is in Numbers 20, verses 1 through 13, and we heard it a little while ago, but it can't hurt to hear it again, like we said, amen, right? It helps us. 
The people of Israel, the whole community, entered the Tzin Desert in the first month, and they stayed at Kadesh. Uh, does anyone know what Kadesh means, by the way, what it refers to? It's a place, but it's related to the word Kadesh. It has to do with holiness, right? So just, just hold that in your mind. There Miriam died, and there she was buried. Because the community had no water, they assembled themselves against Moshe and Aharon. The people quarreled with Moshe. Okay, I'm just going to read those, those sentences again because it all happens really quick. There Miriam died, and there she was buried. Because the community had no water, they assembled themselves against Moshe and Aharon. The people quarreled with Moshe and said, We wish we had died when our brothers died before Adonai. Why did you bring Adonai's community into this desert? Etc., etc., kvetch, kvetch. You get the idea, right? Okay. So, uh, here's a a little recap of the flow of events as it happens in the the Parsha. You can take it down, Robert. Thank you. So, what, what happens? What's the first thing that happens that we see here? Miriam passes away, right? And then, no, there's no water. I think I have a, a slide of that, uh, of the kind of series of events that happens, right? There's no water. And uh, try not to look up there, though. See if you can remember. All right, and then, then what happens? The people kvetch, right? Which means what? They're complaining. Why are they complaining? No water. Okay, then what happens? You know, you are reading up there. You're supposed to remember. Do I have to tell Robert to take it down again? Okay, so God speaks to Moses and tells him what, though? He tells him to speak to the rock, and then water will come forth. All right? And then Moses does what? Strikes the rock twice, disobeying. And because of this choice, as we learned from Savannah, what happens to Moses? He is disqualified from entering the promised land. That's very, you guys are really, we're paying attention to that Parsha. I'm very impressed. Okay, but right, at least uh, in this, in his lifetime, he was um, disqualified from entering the promised land because of this. So we see kind of a chain of events here, right? Are uh, Are we seeing any connections so far? Yeah? Well, when I read it, I thought perhaps there's some causality to these events, right? There's a link. There's a reason that they are in this order and, uh, and written this way, that, of course, the, the biblical authors were inspired to write the way that they wrote. And, I, and, uh, and so that is to invite us into the text, right? It's to get us to draw out these deeper connections. So let's look at the first two events. The passing of Miriam, who was, who was Miriam? Moses' sister, and, and then the lack of water that came right after that. The rabbis of old, they noticed this connection. Um, it's right after one another, and they interpreted them together, that there was some sort of causality here. In other words, the water dried up because Miriam passed away somehow. There's a connection Perhaps, in a sense, the land itself was grieving, or perhaps uh, this was to show um, the honor of Moses' sister of Miriam and, and her legacy, so that when she's no longer there, 
the, the merits of her life and is, is gone. And so the water is gone. Of course, when, when Miriam is gone, right, we, we feel it, right? The land feels it. The community feels it. Um, and there is uh, there's a sense of grieving there. And uh, Miriam, we know, is, is very important to the narrative of the Exodus story, right? If we remember, um, she led the women, all the women, in praise. There was a praise song just for her um, after the Israelites came through the Red Sea out of uh, slavery, out of bondage. And also, um, she plays a, a very important role in Moses' life as an infant, do we remember this? So let's take a look at um, Exodus 2, verses 1 through 10. And here she's just referred to as his sister, but we know this is Miriam. A man from the family of Levi took a woman also descended from Levi as his wife. When she conceived and had a son, upon seeing what a fine child he was, she hid him for three months. Uh, when she could no longer hide him, she took a papyrus basket, coated it with clay, and tar and put the child in it and placed it among the reeds of, on the riverbank. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Do, do we get the sense that she's just observing or that she really cares about Moses? Yeah, that's the sense there. Um, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe in the river while her maids and attendants walked alongside the riverside. Spotting the basket among the reeds, she sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and looked inside, and there in front of her was a crying baby boy. Wah! Moved with pity, she said, this must be one of the Hebrews' children. Because um, remember at this time, the, the, the Pharaoh was trying to actually get rid of all the Hebrew children, especially the boys. At this point, his sister, who's his sister? Miriam said to Pharaoh's daughter, would you like me to go and find you one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Pharaoh's daughter answered, yes, go. So the girl went and called the baby's own mother. Pharaoh's daughter told her, take this child away and nurse it for me and I will pay you for doing it. So the woman took the child and nursed it. Then when the child had grown some, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. She began to raise him as her son. She called him Moshe, Moses, which means uh, has to do with pulling out, explaining because I pulled him out of the water. So Miriam has a kind of very important behind-the-scenes role here, right? And that, of course, is an important role in the redemption story of Israel, right? And this uh, shows up when, when, when she dies, the water also dries up, right? And the text does not show Anyone doesn't talk about anyone grieving. When Moses dies, there's a, there's a big uh, grieving section that the community grieves. Uh, when uh, when um, important kings die, like Solomon and uh, even Saul, uh, when he dies, there's, there's, a, there's a process of mourning. But that is not mentioned here. So what do we have? Therefore, we have uh, unprocessed grief. We have unprocessed grief. His sister, who helped to save his life and in turn saved the lives of all Israel, was no longer there, and there was no processing of this, uh, of this moment. And so this unprocessed grief, I think, led to the harsh 
response of Moses because he was doing pretty well with his temper, you know, overall. You know, he had that thing way back in the day with the, when he uh, killed the Egyptian, but he was doing, he was doing a lot better. But I think, I think this is the cause. The harsh response, you know, that leads to, unfortunately, an unfinished destiny for Moses. What do I mean? He can't enter the promised land. So, in other words, hurt people, people that are hurt, if they don't experience some kind of healing, they will hurt other people. And, it, and you, can, you can squish that into a saying, hurt people hurt people. Violence, of course, begets more violence. Unhealed wounds can show up later. But the scriptures, of course, are not just a warning to us, but they offer hope, right? We look to the scriptures to, to see hope in it. The kingdom of God is a divine reversal of this hurting cycle, right? And it begins by the Lord healing our hearts from grief and from loss, um, just as an aside, this week on social media, I noticed there were a lot of people uh, talking about a, a very specific uh, political issue. And uh, I just want to encourage all of us that as we labor in the kingdom of God for justice and for his love, that we speak not out of hurt, but out of love, that we learn something from this Parsha. And that being said, let's turn back to the grief of loss and see how our traditions in Judaism may be helpful for us to uh, learn to process this. The emphasis in Jewish funerals is on simplicity. Why is that? Well, we understand we're all alike in this world in this aspect, in that all of us go before the same judge without any of our possessions. And as they say, you know, contrary to the Egyptian tombs filled with all kinds of treasures and other earthly valuables, what do they say? You can't take it with you, right? In terms of processing grief, um, there is also the ritual of kriya, or rending, tearing your garments um, at the the funeral. And uh, the prayers of, of Jewish funeral center on God's mercy and the immortality of the soul. And even though our bodies are temporary, right, our souls are eternal. And, uh, and of course, the mourner's Kaddish, which we recited a few minutes ago. And the Kaddish, what's interesting about that, it, it does not specifically mention grief, right? But it centers on making God's name holy, right? Remember, they were at Kaddish, in, in the scripture. They were early, right? And so there's a theme about making God's name holy. And this is what specifically Moses failed to do. This is what God admonishes him with uh, when he strikes the rock. He says, you did not make my name holy before the Israelites. Okay? So there is something, therefore, to processing our emotions before the Lord, and acknowledging him as our father and as our king, and bringing our hearts before the creator of life, right? He's, he's the one who created us, and he's the only one who can really bring healing and redemption in our hearts, and that is what enables us to process grief and hurt. 
The problem is that death comes from, it comes with being human. It's part of the part of the package, I guess. But this is not God's ultimate purpose for us. We read in the book of Genesis 2 verse 7 uh, how Adam was formed. This is what it says. Then Adonai, God, formed a person. Um, What's the word for person there in Hebrew? Adam, yes, from the dust of the ground. And what's the word for ground? Adama. Do we see the, the connection there? Adam, Adama. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life so that he became a living being. So Ha'adam, Adam, means what? Human, means humankind. And Adama means the earth, right? So there's a, there's a connection between us and the, the dust of the earth. Our identity, our name, Adam, comes from Adama. And when we ate the fruit, when we disobeyed the Lord, a few chapters later, um, uh, one chapter later actually, uh, we returned where? To the dust of the earth. That's where we were formed, right? This is the, the consequence of our rebellion. Genesis 3.19 reads this, you will eat bread by the sweat of your forehead till you return to the ground, for you were taken out of it. You are dust and you will return to dust. You are from the ground, Adam, and you will return to the ground, Adama. Thus, when we rebel against God's kingdom, when we choose to elevate ourselves as gods, when we choose violence, when we choose to hurt, we are moving toward death. But of course, there's another option for us. Even though all of us return to the dust from which we are made, because of the choice that Adam and Chava made. This is not the ultimate purpose of God's relationship with us. God's purpose is not for us to return to the dust, but to return to Him. Amen? Do I have to say that again? All right. God's purpose is not for us to return to the dust, but to return to Him. This is why the second Adam, there was another Adam, came, another humanity, and that was Yeshua the Messiah. First Peter 3 verse 18 says it like this, for the Messiah himself died for sins once and for all, a righteous person on behalf of unrighteous people, all the little Adams, right? He died for us so that he might bring you to God. Return back to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but brought to life by the Spirit, or the Ruach. Life in Messiah is eternal life. And by processing death in light of Yeshua's death and his resurrection, we therefore have hope in this world. That gives us hope. Yeshua's death was the condemnation of an innocent man. But it led to something beautiful, and that is resurrection hope for all of us. These are Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 15, and it anchors our hope in Yeshua the Messiah. This is verses 50 through 58. He says, Let me say this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot share in the kingdom of God, nor can something that decays share in what does not decay. Look, 
I will tell you a secret. Not all of us will die, but we will all be changed. It will take but a moment, the blink of an eye at the final shofar, for the shofar will sound and the dead will be raised to life forever, and we too will be changed. For this material which can decay must be clothed with imperishability. This material is talking about our bodies. This which is mortal must be clothed with immortality. When what decays puts on imperishability and what is mortal puts on immortality, then this passage in the Tanakh will be fulfilled. And this is from the, uh, the book of Hosea. Amen. We can, yeah, praise God. Let's read it together. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and sin draws its power from the Torah, that is, from our uh, corruption of the Torah, because the Torah, of course, is good. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord, Yeshua the Messiah. So, my dear brothers, stand firm and immovable, always doing the Lord's work as vigorously as you can, knowing that united with the Lord, your efforts are not in vain. Amen. God is so good. In other words, the hope of resurrection should motivate us toward the kingdom of God, right? What is that all about? Love, forgiveness, and restoration. So looking back on the Parsha uh, with the hope of Messiah in mind, what are the lessons we find in this narrative about Moshe and Miriam? Number one, when we are hurt, when we are grieving, we need to take the time to process it with God and allow him to heal us. And, you know, that can look like quiet time, you know, with him or, or journaling is often helpful. But just make sure that we take that time to process our grief before the Lord. Number two, when we're hurt, we need to try not to strike the rock right away. You know, that is react harshly, but we need to try to react with, respond rather, with love. And number three, we should always turn our hearts toward the hope that we have in Messiah. In his death and resurrection is the fullness of the kingdom of God. And uh, I'm going to pray and close the sermon now. Um, but if you would specifically like healing from um, grief or hurt, um, and some of the things that I talked about in, in the sermon, um, and would like prayer for that, I'm going to be just right here in front of the Bema um, with uh, my wife, and we can pray for you um, if, you would, if you would like that. And um, if you would uh, want someone to pray for you for God's restoration and healing um, through Yeshua the Messiah. Amen? Okay. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Father, uh, for your faithfulness, Lord, and uh, we just pray for all of us, for everyone that can hear my voice, Lord, that you would bring about your healing and your redemption in our lives, and that we would anchor our hope, anchor our trust in Yeshua and his death and his life and his resurrection. And uh, we thank you, Lord, that we are not without hope, that we don't just have the first Adam, but we have the second Adam. Um, we have Yeshua the Messiah, 
and uh, therefore we have a lot to celebrate. And uh, Father, um, for anyone that is in need of, of this kind of healing, Lord, uh, from grief, we pray that you would, um, in your timing, Lord, in your, in your day, um, that you would bring that healing and restoration as we seek your face and as we seek healing from you because you're our creator and you are our comforter. And um, the only hope that we have is, is in you because you are life. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.